if you force yourself to write every day, like good things do eventually happen. <laughs> you know, like I've written, I've had days and days and days of complete garbage, but eventually if you just keep sitting down, this is like something people have always said, but I felt like becoming a mother with like really truly limited on like what the person who I was before I had a basically unlimited amount of time right and I got more done in the first two years that my daughter was alive than I had in the previous five probably welcome to the lifelines podcast brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project I'm Marina Aris and I'm Diane Fenner and we're your hosts this is the podcast for book creators book lovers and literary ambassadors Join us each week as we explore the writing life, the art, and the business of creating great books. Today we're talking to Laura June, author of a new memoir published by Penguin Random House called Now My Heart is Full. This book has been praised in the Washington Post, the New Republic, Booklist, and too many other places to name. New York Times bestselling author Roxanne Gay called it the story of how the daughter of an alcoholic mother becomes a motherless mother and reconciles the ways she was loved, the way she was hurt, and how the birth of her own daughter allowed her to grow. Written with wit, melancholy, joy, and tenderness. Articles by Laura June have also appeared in BuzzFeed, The All, Jezebel, The Outline, Cosmopolitan, and New York Magazine. It's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome, Laura. Hello. How are you? <laughs> so we're here, we're very excited, I think. We're here to find out everything we can about not just Now My Heart is Full, but the whole process of writing and publishing a book. Um, and I know before the show started, you were talking about that a little bit, so maybe that's a place to start. Yeah, I think that I've thought about it a lot. I think, um, you know, I was a professional working writer for a decade before. I even thought about writing a book. I mean, I guess there was some vague idea out there, like I would like to do that. That's what a writer sort of starts at. But um, because I had been doing basically journalism or writing for magazines, writing online, um, I had no idea how separate the process of book publishing actually is, how different it is. And once I sold the book, I sort of, and I, I did keep writing, I kept my full-time job for the first six months of the writing process but it, you sort of silo yourself into like a whole new reality um and I was kind of you know like I was 40 so I it was like I had been writing professionally uh for a super long time but like that uh entire industry which I would have thought would have been very similar because it's like writing is a completely different whole other beast. <laughs> well, I can imagine because you were writing online, you were writing on things where you had a short piece, you'd put it out, you'd have yeah. it immediately published, yes. you'd get your comments and your responses immediately, whereas yes. a book, like you said, you silo yourself for a really long time, then you write one long piece, and then yep. there's this whole procedure that takes a lot of time before you yes. even begin to get any feedback. Yes. And it was painful. I mean, I think one of the things that was, I'm used to the feedback, really, even if it, even if people hate something that I write, I would rather, right. I actually no, kind of enjoy possible. that. Um, I kind of, I kind of, uh, you're like poking I, people. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a reaction of some sort. And so when you, when you start writing a book, I remember I met my editor for lunch and I had, you know, she was 
very enthusiastic. She totally seemed like she got the idea. I, I had given her a pretty detailed outline, which I assumed I would work from. I had never written a book. So and you I thought, had pitched like, it to a lot of people? Uh, yes. Okay. I, well, I had pitched something else, basically. Mm. I originally thought of it as a book of essays. Mm. Um, and then I was not that confident in it, and I... You know, I didn't want to just repackage what I had been doing. I had been writing about motherhood for the all for a really long time. Um, by the time I actually sold the book, I was writing for New York Magazine. but And I was still writing some of those same types of essays. But um, the more I thought about it, the more I realized, like, I had sort of, like, maneuvered around writing about my mother ever. Um, and that relationship was really important to me. And, and in the middle of thinking about that my editor from Penguin, Sarah, came to me um, and emailed me, like a cold email, and said, did you ever think about writing a book? And I was like, actually, yes, I have. Okay. Um, and so I talked to her and my agent. We talked, we had like maybe, I think, one phone call about the idea, and I was like, here's this idea. And I had been sort of like throwing it around. Well, I um, thought it was really unique and very interesting. We've done a little bit, especially with um, Penguin. We interviewed Domenico Ruda, who's also from Penguin Random House, and uh, she did a memoir about uh, her mother. And uh, um, I know Penguin House also, we didn't interview Tara Westover, but they also put out Educated. Mm -hmm. And they put out a lot of memoirs, and there have been a lot of memoirs. But your approach, where you start by talking about your mother, and then you shift between your child, your daughter, and the relationships, is, um, I think, it's a standout among memoirs, especially the mother-daughter relationship kind of memoir. Um, I well, wanted well, to ask before, you... I, I, we didn't uh, finish, actually, the question that you asked, and I just wanted to make sure we covered it, which was you were explaining that there are two different uh, experiences for you with the writing yeah. and the publishing, and I just wanted to make sure that we didn't leave that. Um, what, what, were, what would you say briefly are some of the differences between being a working writer and then deciding to go into the world of publishing? Um, I think logistically it is, it, the major thing for a writer is to not get the feedback. Like I said, I, I met her, my editor, in person and we talked about it and I thought like she would say, oh, you know, send me every chapter as it goes, and she was like, well, you can do this however you like. Some people, you know, won't send me anything until they're done. And I was like, and I knew that I had a year. And I thought, like, uh, <laughs> is that an, it's an option year. for me to go away <laughs> and not send you anything for a year? Which is ultimately uh, what I did. Right, um, right. I literally turned it in, like, the day before it was due. Interesting. Um, but I think that the major difference is, I mean, like, I, I was trained to be a writer. I was taught. Like, I, I didn't go to college for journalism, but I wrote a lot in college, and people teach you grammar, and they teach you structure, and then you work with editors, and you sort of learn the tricks of the trade as you go. No one tells you how to write a book. They're like, we believe in you. Here you go. Bye. Um, and they just... I remember thinking, like, I may have asked her at lunch. I said, like, how, like, how do you, how do you write the book? You know, like, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but like, she was like, just try, just do it. Oh, and okay. so I did. Just do it. And I just so sort of went for it. And the first draft is like, I'm sure if I read it now, it'd be horrified. Horrified. <laughs> but I turned it in, and I thought, well, you have Very nothing good. to lose. And that, that's like. I, I think I, I carried a lot of my like journalism skills into this because 
because I do work online and I, everything has to be done so quickly, yeah. I don't have like an ego about stuff. Like sometimes I know I'm turning in yeah. garbage, yeah. but I have to get it started. How so long, how long was that draft that you first submitted? Do you remember? It was a hundred and seven thousand words. Okay, and was that they had given you no parameters? They had they gave me some parameters. Okay. I mean, we knew that there were going to be. I think originally I had said there's going to be like twenty one chapters or something I ended up cutting like an entire chapter mm -hmm. um in moving like from the first draft to the second but what's the for a final draft at I mean, it's like eight, I think it's like 80 80 it's yeah. about 80 it's yeah. good to know right? she cut a lot we've got like 20,000 words yeah. yeah she cut a lot and I think um I had cut a lot before I gave it to her I cut yeah, I think the original draft that I didn't turn in was even longer. I think it was like 120. Uh -huh. um, and I knew that that was longer than they would want it to be. Right. But I also knew it was longer than it had to be. Um, and how many drafts did you have to go through? We did three. Three. Okay. Not counting the copy editing, which was a whole other sure. uh, thing. Where, I, like, I'm not a precious person being edited. But, like, in the copy editing process, uh, after a while, I was just like, yes, 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 yes. Like, accept all, accept all. I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, it was like they gave yeah. me a Word document with, it was like 40,000 comments. And I was like, oh, this is a nightmare. <laughs> um, and I'm like a pretty, I've done some editing, so I'm used to it. But I was just like, this is overwhelming. Sure. It, like, is like my computer is grinding to a halt <laughs> trying to open the document. <laughs> That's great. So, okay, thank you for sure. elaborating on yeah. that. I didn't want to leave it because I thought it was such a great question, Diane. Yeah. And yeah. I just wanted to make sure we got the full scope of that. Um, anything else that you thought was... Would you do it again? Would you keep writing books? I mean, how Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I love to be miserable. Um, <laughs> I really do. I love uh, to be alone. I want to say, like, I uh, they gave me 12 months to write it, but I didn't actually do anything for the first month. <laughs> I was just, like, laying, I was seriously, like, laying in bed, like, staring at the ceiling. I, I started, started playing The Sims again, um, and I told my agent, she was like, it's fine. She's like, I think everybody does this. You have to just sort of, like, avoid, you know, reality. And I, have, I, had, a, I had a toddler, and I had a job, and so it wasn't like I was, like, I was living my normal life, but I was not like, I wasn't immediately like, all right, now to the book. Um, right. But yeah, I would def I would, I'll definitely do it again. I'm already working again right. because I think um, uh, I like learning and I like getting better and I can already like go back and read it now and see how I could have written it better. And and are you thinking uh, more nonfiction? Do you want to yes. delve into Yeah, else? definitely. Okay. I'm trying to write short stories now. I'm uh, actually thinking about taking a class because nice. I'm very bad at writing fiction, it turns out. But in my spare time, my very little spare time, I've been sort of playing around with yeah, short and stories. I don't know how it is for you, but my six-year-old, I know we both have children in about the same age group, and my six-year-old yesterday pulled out a book that she loved, and she goes, she knows what I do. So I'm in publishing, you don't know that. I'm in indie <laughs> publishing, oh, okay. which we don't know. But anyway, she says, we should make the, a book, Mommy, a book like this one. I was like, okay, let's think about what topic it's going to be on. Yeah. So so um, writing with children, I imagine, is is a whole other experience too, right? You have I to think it nat comes naturally to children to make up yeah, stories yeah, yeah. and stuff. They I think that inspire. you just sort of unlearn it as you grow up, yeah. I think. Um, I remember I told my daughter, I said, I had to leave to go do some event right when the book came out. I was like, she was like, oh, I told my teacher you wrote a book about me. 
And I said, I, yes. And she said, I think she thought I was making it up. And I was like, no, I actually did. And she was like, I know, I told her. And I, but I remembered, like, whenever she said that, I remembered saying, like, the first time I t actually said it to her, which was, like, six months earlier, I was like, I'm, I'm writing a book today. And she was like, I wrote four yesterday. And I was like, okay, you're, you're not impressed with me I'm at all. I'm keeping them. I'm keeping yeah. them. She's like, big deal. Yeah. I write a book every day. Exactly, so. exactly. You get all these little, like, yeah. I went through them this weekend over the long weekend. I just piled them up. I even have a, a, a paper Mac version. Like, my <laughs> six-year-old has made a, a, a folded a paper in half and made a little apple on one side. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, there we go. Anyway, so isn't it lovely that you have this experience with your child? And they don't fully get the concept. But, no. But yeah. they do inspire it. Or she thinks that, like, I'm so important that, of course, like, I could have a TV show or, you know, like, it's not, it's not like, she doesn't understand, like, celebrity or fame right, or anything. Right. She thinks, like, I'm so important. Like, of course, I could just sure. do, do, whatever, I do whatever I want. Yeah. Well, so. you did narrate the audiobook, and I that did. was surprising because a lot of people get professional narrators. Yes. Did you have any training for that? <clears throat> no, I did not. And I also turned it down originally. Um... Uh, on the advice of uh, uh, another writer that I know, she was like, "It's, it's, it's really hard. Mm. It's like grueling and uh, kind of, it's just like not worth the effort." Now they pay you to do it, um, okay, which is weird because I'm like, "Well, this is mine, and you already paid me." But I only own the copyright of the words. I don't own the recording. They own the recording, so oh, they, they have to pay me. Right. Um, and so. I did not do it for money. What happened was, as I was moving closer to the process, I didn't know this either. They didn't. Re you don't record the audiobook until like three months before the book comes out. So it's like very. It might have even been later. I think I recorded it in the end of May or the beginning of June. So it was, and the book came out in the end of July. So as I got closer to it, um, I started to think about it, and I started to think like I, that I would be very annoyed to hear someone else reading it. Like, even if they were a professional, and obviously they would be better at it than me because I've never done it. I thought like this is never going to sound right to me, so I did it, um, and I loved it. It was an amazing experience. Where, where? I'm so curious I did about this. Penguin, Are you not curious? So Penguin has yes. their own studio. Oh, of course. And <laughs> it's, I mean, it's like a booth the size of a closet. They like l literally lock you into it. And I remember thinking like, what if there's a fire drill or whatever? And you sit in this <laughs> tiny booth, reading off of an iPad, basically in the dark. I found it to be like, a, it's a, meditative. It's sound deadened, uh -huh. so it's like. You can't hear anything, and there's just two people sitting out there with me, uh, like the producer who is wonderful, and you just kind of forget that they're there. Um, and I just found it to be—I hadn't read the—I—I I hadn't read it in a while, <laughs> um, and so I kept finding like problems. It was too late to fix anything, but I also like kind of got a new appreciation for the book too. I think I, in that process, I like sort of figured out like where the flaws were and where the strengths were. And I found it to be really educational, and I think that, like, uh, I will always read my book aloud now. Oh, well, I have I... an idea. Why don't we get right into the book, and I pulled out some excerpts, and I think we can talk about the book and maybe have you read. Oh, sure. Um, just to, so that we s explain, it's, it's, it's about motherhood, but it's, um, as Marina said in the introduction, you coming to motherhood motherless and finding that your daughter repaired bonds. But it's much deeper than that. And what I thought was especially brilliant was the opening where your mother helped you get an abortion. Yes. And then um, 
you moved on from, and that was in high school, yep. and you moved on to, you know, becoming a mother yourself in adulthood, and then you talk about um, some other things, but if you could read, so people get a sense that's just to set the stage, and there's a, a short quote and then a little bit of a longer quote about um, the abortion, Sure. which was kind of a real punch in the way to start a book about motherhood. Yes, actually, I just want to say that uh, I did not tell my dad about it. Um, I just let him read the book and I thought like, I felt really bad because it was kind of like, he was so proud of me for writing a book. And it's like, boom, abortion. Sorry, dad. <laughs> but he took it, he took it like a champ. The story of Zelda's birth is the most important one I have to tell. But first, before I tell you about how I decided to have a baby, I want to tell you about when I decided not to. My mother took me to have an abortion on Mother's Day in May of 1995. I was a senior in high school. What I don't feel in any part of me is regret about the abortion. And I like to think, though I can't and won't ever know, that my mother knew then what, was, what is so obvious to me now. That the best decision I ever made was made possible only by that one act of quiet, secret selfish, selflessness on her part. She wouldn't win any Mother of the Year awards for doing it. She wouldn't be admired by her other friends who were mothers or by her family. That's why she didn't tell anyone she was doing it. But she did it just the same, I assume because she knew what it would be worth to me then and always. My mother, who was only a few years older than I am now when she made that choice, never met her granddaughter or her son-in-law. She never knew me as a married woman or as a mother, and really, she barely knew me as an adult. And though, my, though, and though much in my life has changed in the decades since she died, nothing has changed as much as my relationship with her. I think that's really a hell of an opening. Um, and you. what's especially interesting is how your relationship with her changed even after she was no longer on the scene. And yeah. She's been dead for a long time, seven, almost seven years by the time Zelda was born. Um, and I think that it changes like in like a lot of ways because she also became a uh, a grandparent. Like I I didn't it didn't occur to me until my daughter was born. Like oh, just because she's dead doesn't mean she's like not her grandmother. And at some point we're going to have to talk to her. You know, my father's remarried, so she has a grandmother, um, but she has another one, and she knows that uh, that my stepmother's not my mom. That's as far as we've. She asks about my mom sometimes because she's never met her. But she doesn't know about death yet. She doesn't know about... Uh, she thinks when you die, you get to come back still. So, I'm, you know... Well, some people do. <laughs> right. And she's like a vegetarian, so she doesn't even like... You know, it's like the, the world is very nonviolent to her still. And so she's... Uh, once all of that start, starts to sort of like unravel in her mind, and I can see it like sort of on the cusp of that, I, I started to think about how... Um, what kind of story I would tell her about my mother. And that was really the whole prospect of the book, I thought. Um, that the process of having my daughter had sort of begun to give me a new appreciation for my mother. I had already forgiven her and sort of gotten over um, losing her, but I think what, what I was surprised by was that um, it made me feel uh, a lot more close to her right. um, and it made me sort of reassess a lot of her life um, right. what I could sort of piece together about it you know
Well, which I think a lot of people are going to relate to. And um, it is kind of uh, commonly understood that there's a period of time where a mother and a daughter have high conflict, and then yes. once a daughter becomes a mother, right? That's kind of a yeah. Trope. Like, oh, well, wait till you have kids, then you'll be coming back to me to say you understand. Yeah. So. And we had that teenage stuff, but it was all also like much more weighed down by the fact that my mother uh, was an alcoholic, like a, a a very bad one, you know, and and couldn't be counted on and. Um, she wasn't physically abusive. She wasn't even really emotionally abusive. She was just neglectful the way that um, addicts can be. Um, and so that sort of, I think, made those regular right. teenage problems much worse. Right. Um, because you're like slightly more off the rails than right. a normal mother-daughter sure. relationship. Yeah, it really heightens the contrast. Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of the volume on the standard relationship. She burned down the house at one point, right? Yes, she did. <laughs> yes. Kind of, kind of, she burned yeah. down the house. Um, wow. You know, she... Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, she wouldn't show up. Um, and that started when I was pretty young. So she wouldn't, you know, be there to pick you up. And But I think that, like... But she was also, like, a really lovely person. And what, who, a lot of people I've heard from, um, like, I, I did an event in Pittsburgh, which is where I'm from. And, like, a lot of my friends' mothers came. And they were like, I loved your mother so much. And I really had no idea how you guys were all what struggling were this way. Through, yeah. That's a very normal yeah. alcoholic thing. You, don't, you wouldn't tell anyone. Right. Um, I didn't tell my friends until I was a teenager, and they definitely knew. Um, but you just sort of didn't talk about it. I think a book like this <laughs> finds um, readers who are so happy to hear that somebody else went through what they went yes. through because so many people in these circumstances hold it so close to the chest that it means even more when you find somebody who can talk about it and gives you permission to think that other people have gone through what you've gone through. Yes, I get a lot of emails from uh, children of alcoholics and addicts and I think that it does like a very particular type of damage to a child um, uh, it's a really like sort of unexplored trauma because I think it's it's not really illegal to be a drunk and a parent um, and you can my mother did a pretty good job a lot of the time mm. um, all of her kids are alive you know we're all sort of like moderately uh, functional adults she did a pretty good job um, at the same time it can be like a really long period like it's sustained trauma that just is like there's no end to it the person's life is just they're either going to recover or they're not and when they don't and you're a child you have no you know it's like any other form of sort of abuse that children undergo you don't have agency you can't control it so and it's heartbreaking and it's off yeah it's horrible especially when it's your mother and you you really are are fond of her (laughs) you know what i mean like my mother was great when she was sober and when she was drunk she could be really awful and so yeah. it, it was uh, it was like I living with two, two different people. people. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the role switch where you feel like you're... You take care of them. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I still feel that way to my, my younger brothers. I sure. still feel motherly towards them because they would come to me if they needed things because a lot of the time my mother was not available. So I think um, that what I hear, I hear, I get thousand-word emails from people um, telling me about their lives and their stories and that's really meaningful to me because part of the reason I wrote the book was I realized um, that I could not control if my daughter Mm. had the same problem because so many people in my family do Um, 
but that the one thing I could do was not not make her feel ashamed of the fact that my mother was an alcoholic the way that I felt it because I don't feel ashamed of it now I feel sort of proud of her sort of persevering as long as she did even though I'm still kind of you know pissed off at her <laughs> but I think that you can break a cycle that way by not being ashamed I think that if uh, that addiction can be a lot easier to deal with if people don't also feel like they're not able to ask for help. Even well, and I think from your own point of view, you're relieved of a burden once you learn how to love someone who's damaged you and hurt you. Yeah. It's, I mean, one of the things I loved about the book was how there were, it was so multidimensional. Not only are you talking about having this child and having been a child, um, you talked about how with the birth of the child, this is very poetic. You said you were broken open when you had Zelda, mm -hmm. your daughter. And literally, it was a C-section. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> this might be a good she time was, to do it. She was reading. sideways, so uh, I, yes, oh. I got a C-section. Um, so there is a section here in the book about the C-section, which I'd love for you to read. Sure. When people ask if I was disappointed by my birth experience, I want to tell them to fuck off. I want to scream at them and tell them that they're terrible people who don't know anything, that they're one step away from vaccine deniers. Instead, I just say, no, were you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I don't have a lot of, like, political motherhood opinions. I, there are a lot of political um, landscapes in motherhood, especially as it relates to sort of health care and all that stuff. But I, and I obviously support all of those things. But I think that the, uh, the one thing that I sort of, the first experience I had was encountering people who seemed to view having a c-section as like a, a sort of like unfortunate thing and I was kind of like what the heck are these people talking about and then I sort of got into the literature of it and realized that you know there's this sort of it's like part of the natural birth movement which is great I, I feel like I had a doula I, I did uh, I hired a doula um and you thought, had a child you had I thought I thought I was gonna have like no drugs this is gonna be cool because I have a really high tolerance for pain and like it just didn't work out that way and I didn't care. Um, yeah, and honestly, it was like, it was an easy C-section. I mean, I, like, I had preeclampsia, so I was like, I gained like 100 pounds when I was pregnant, and she was sideways, and it was really painful. And when my doctor was like, can we, we're just gonna have her tomorrow, I was like, thank God. And it happened in 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> and I remember the nurses were like, you don't have to be walking around. I was like, no, I would like to. I feel great. Like, right. this is, is, you know, but emotionally, it was uh, everything that everyone says about giving birth. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. It's like a, it's like a, you know, people say it for a reason because it's sure. true. Everything emotionally changes for you, right? And your old life just sort of is deleted and paved over. And it takes a while to get back to even thinking about the person that you were. It took me months to like start reading again and yes, that's true. Uh, lo looking at the clock. Like I just, you know, and, and that's the, sort of the space where I started to think about my mom and I started to think about writing about myself, which I had never done um, before. And like I said, I've been writing for a long time and I'd never, I'm a very private person. It would never have occurred to me to write about my own life. And a lot was revealed. And yeah. You, and you sort of, and then I was like, well, here we go. And you braided those three strands in, in a way that was so, in, just shed so much light on it. Um, I don't know if you want to read maybe just one more paragraph. Sure. Um, because we are kind of taking the arc of the narrative in order this way. 
yes, this is a about sort of the first uh, adult mother friend that I made um, and when I told her about my mom. It was simple for me in some ways to tell Kim about my mother. The rawness of my birth experience backed me up, cut me open, but it also made everything that had happened before seem pale and incapable of hurting me. I saw, as I told Kim what I had to tell her, that in a lot of ways I couldn't be hurt by it anymore. And is that true that there was that much of a pivot from being... Yeah. Wow. I think that what happened was I went into motherhood thinking I'm going to be awesome at this, the way I think about everything, um, which is not confidence so much as, like, I can learn, you know what I mean? Like, if I, I'm not, like, athletic, but, like, I can work at something. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, that's how I approach writing. That's how I approach everything. It's not like I don't have, like, a talent or an art. I just... I practice. You just know you're going to be able and to And so do I it. thought, like, I'll read a bunch of books, and I'm going to practice, and I can do this. Like, anyone can do it. And so I can do a good job. And it was actually really hard. Um, and I felt confused a lot. I felt like my baby was going to die all the time. I was afraid of her. Uh, I was afraid of dropping her. I was afraid of hurting her. And so in that space, I, like, went out to the park and, like, met, like, a bunch of new mothers, which is something I would never have thought I would do. Like, <laughs> I'm going to try to make friends because I'm so sad. <laughs> and, like, when I met my friend, Kim, I, uh, we had a lot in common, and she was cool and into the same music as me, and I just started, like, talking to her about my life in a way that it would have... It was like talking to a complete stranger. Right. And that is sort of a bridge to me writing about myself in the book. I mean, it's it's very much the same delivery of what I was going through at that time. And I it's, think it's, that the book is like sort of a product of that. It's like sort of like the second baby. Right. You know, it was only through that happening to me was I able to even consider writing about myself or talking about myself. Well, you actually said uh, that becoming a mother made you a better writer. You didn't just say it made you able oh, to write yes. about yourself in, and about personal things. It said you were a better writer. Yes. I Is that because true. you were more candid about things that you had helped Yes. I think I'm more honest. I, it made me a better uh, daughter. It made me a better daughter-in-law because I took less shit and I and I, I really, seriously, I, I just don't have time for it. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to argue about this stuff. I was, and it, that happened very suddenly. And I think in a way it was like almost maybe ruder at first. But you know, it's like this like protective movement instinct. And I think it made me more honest and more direct, which obviously I think is good for this kind really of writing. Works. It really works. I but, mean, you've done it throughout the whole book. So but I also really think it made me like a better time manager. And I was kind of disciplined about my writing to start with. Like I knew if I had, like I didn't, I didn't blow deadlines that often, and stuff. But now it was like, I have like four hours, and I'm not going to waste it. Right. And so I think that it made me a scheduler, you know. Mm -hmm. And like, if you force yourself to write every day, like good things do eventually happen <laughs> you know like I've written I've had days and days and days of complete garbage but eventually if you just keep sitting down this is like something people have always said but I felt like becoming a mother with like really truly limited on like what the person who I was before I had a basically unlimited amount of time right and I got more done in the first two years that my daughter was alive than I had in the previous five, probably. Oh my god! You know, I just like in terms of publishing and stuff, it was like I was just like cranking stuff out. That's so great. Um, Let's talk a little bit about you know that description that I read when I introduced you today, um, 
it, it's certainly when people talk about your book, they're they're saying very specific things. Now, yeah. you as the writer of this book, how do you feel about? Are there any of these descriptions that you feel are not quite accurate, or that you feel are not really depicting what you intended? Do you feel like there's something yes. missing? <clears throat> um, no. I well, I so I actually think that the people who wrote, you know, like the the blurb, which which is like the text on the the back of the book, those are people I asked to write them for me. Um, and that's a weird thing to do. Um, and they are, they're not people that I know for the most part. Like Roxanne Gay, I did not, I do not know personally. I know her on Twitter a little bit. Um, and I asked her thinking like, there's no way she'll say yes to this, but I'm going to ask. And she answered my email and some writers are real people and respond all writers are real people well, they are, are like you know the, she's like, like she's yeah. like very very popular and yeah. very successful and there's literally no reason yeah. that she would have to answer an email to me right. but she is like the kind of person who responds to people right and so when she said yeah sure i'll take a look like i had no control over what she sent back to me right and when i read it i felt i felt like oh okay so then the book's I still okay. not coming out for six months but she got it she took away the right things but I do think that um, once you get to the point of so those were those were amazing they were but that was like what I asked them to do was to like read it closely and they're writers so they got it and it was like beautiful and so it made me feel I don't need compliments but I was like oh so the book kind of like makes sense right it <laughs> they're getting they, it they're getting what I intended from it right when people start to like review it and write about it it does get it's 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 a weird thing especially when you're writing about your family and your life and stuff um, but for the most part, I mean, there have been a couple of Goodreads reviews where people said it was like, oh, she's like very self-indulgent. And I thought like, well, there's like the two most self-indulgent things you can do in the world are have a baby, and like literally reproduce yourself <laughs> and write. So fair enough. It is self-indulgent. Yes. A memoir is literally writing a book about yourself. Right. Uh, it's the most selfish thing you can do in writing. <laughs> well, so, I don't know. I would argue with you. I think it's selfless because look at all the emails you get, right? I feel so. I feel like I was doing a service for my daughter. Um, you know, I feel like it's that was sort of the reason I wrote it was I thought she should know this. And, you know, I've been, like, keeping a diary since I was, like, eight. And they're, like, in boxes in my garage. And I think, like, oh, if I was me, like, I would kill to have those from my mom. But my mom didn't leave anything. So I think... Everything I'm doing is sort of trying to like slight, do slightly better than my mom did, based on like what I would want, which is definitely not going to be what Zelda wants. She's, I'm sure she won't care. She'll like, she'll burn the diaries somewhere or something. <laughs> but um, you know, I think that the truth is that like once it's out there, you don't really have any control over what people take away from it or how they respond to it. Um, but that, I mean, that I was prepared for because I've written on the internet forever. And I wrote about, like, uh, gadgets. Like, I wrote, like, Apple and Google and stuff. And those people are insane. So, um, <laughs> this is nothing compared to that. Like, you could, uh, yeah. I could never, I'm untrollable. So I think that. <laughs> untrollable. It's not my fault like if you don't like it. Like, I did my best. And uh, if you don't like it, it's fair enough. I mean, I read books I don't like all the time. That's great. We We're to... getting near the end, so we have to wrap up. Does, you want to ask maybe one final question, or is there one final area that you wanted to go into? At this point, I would just ask, 
so now you're back to uh, writing art. Are you still yep. writing for the cut for the Atlantic? Uh, no, I mean I'm I'm freelance, so oh, I'm writing for who I, I've written for the cut. I've written for the Outline. I've written yeah, and I'm also sort of working on a proposal for my next project. And so as you look forward, do you think you'll be writing more books in this vein or a different vein? Um, the one that I'm trying to put together now is is it's a yes and a no. It is a story that will be partly about me, but it is partly about uh, another person, a nonfiction, a girl who died um, in the town where I grew up. Um, and I've gotten to know her family a little bit, and so it's going to be about her too. But also about my sort of uh, coming to know them as people sort of like 25 years after she died. And she's not a person I knew, so... Well, where can people find you on the web? Uh, it, should we just look under um, laurajune.com? Uh, no. <laughs> laurajune.com is expensive. I cannot afford it. I The easiest place to find me is on Twitter, which is Laura underscore June. Oh, wonderful. Okay. So last thing, we usually ask our guests to pretend they're at a conference talking to first-time writers. However, I do want to put a twist on this. Okay. Um, because we're all mothers in this room. Yeah. And because I do think that there are writers who are also parents. Yes. So why don't we talk to them today? Why don't we, um, considering that's how you're living your life now, you have your child, which is obviously a very important yeah. part of your life. Tell us a little bit, some tips, ideas, strategies for how do you manage being a parent and a writer? I mean, I think, you know, obviously it depends on the age of your child. At first, I, I didn't manage it. So I think that once my daughter started going to preschool, um, it gave me some more time. And like I said, I had a full-time job. I was also writing, but like that was like my work writing. And then there was like my writing writing where I was, you know, I, like I said, I'll play around with short stories or whatever. Um, and I've been, like I said, I would, I mostly wrote after she went to bed. So what's it? So that, yeah, what's the day in life then? What's it, what's it like for you now? Oh, I, so. I get up at seven thirty. She sleeps really well. So I get up at seven thirty. I feed her, I pack her lunch, I take her to school. I come home. I work. Uh, I normally stop for lunch a little bit, and then wait, I, yeah, wait, go back for a second, because when uh -huh. you say I work, I want to hear yeah. a little bit about the work. So when you sit down to write, what is you're a trained yeah. writer? We get that. Yeah. So, so is it? How do you have any? Do you have to flow into this, or you just get on because now no, you know? No, I do. I do. I have to browse. You know, maybe like shop for a minute. Okay. Um, look at Twitter. Talk to my friends. Uh, sort of get a handle get on like the, the, the screen um, and I'm pretty good at like multitasking so I do a little bit of that throughout the day um, I don't have to like you know shut my internet off to write um, but normally once I start writing I'll, I'll, I'll go for you know an hour at a time I like to pace so I get up and I walk um, and I also write longhand if I'm having a hard time. My first, the first chapter of my book was written longhand. Um, That's a great idea. Because uh, right? I wrote it in order, and I just, I struggled with it, and like I had parts of it that I really liked. It had a prologue, and I thought this is horrible, and and so I just sat down and like wrote it, and it's actually like pretty close to what ended up. I find that I my hand works at the exact right speed of my brain. And typing just doesn't have that. Okay. So, so what would you say are some brief things? You Obviously, you said earlier in the interview you are very cognizant of the time you have and you don't waste yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you, any, any, I mean, well, obviously, when you're the older your child is, that sounds <laughs> like a great thing. Yeah, it gets it, easier. I mean, it gets sure. easier. She, she, she can tolerate me, like, 
reading a book in front of her now or like if I if she has the day off and I have like yes she was off on Columbus Day and I'm like I have to answer emails right like a big part of my job is like answering emails and reaching out to people and trying to find a story to write about and so it really depends on like the kind of project I'm in but if I'm just like I can like the book it was like I can just I just I don't have to research anything I just have to write it um that I just I just go and go and go and I don't edit at all. I didn't edit anything as I was going except for the opening because I just couldn't resist. Yeah, and if you write in the evenings after she goes down, how long do you write? Probably about an hour. An hour. Um, my husband gets home like later than me, so later than like she goes to bed at eight. I'll normally work like till nine or nine fifteen sometimes, and then I'll stop. Great, that sounds great. Okay, so everybody, we know um, where to get the book. Now my heart is full. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank yes, you. Thank you. And we can't wait to your next book. So maybe we'll have you back. Thanks. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review. It'll help us keep bringing you great content. For show notes, upcoming events, and to participate in the Brooklyn Writers Project community, head on over to our website at www.brooklynwritersproject.com. Questions or comments? Send them to contact at lifelinespodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Lifelines, the books podcast has been brought to you by the Brooklyn Writers Project. Music for this podcast has been provided by Anthony Nuda of Noble Sense Productions.